Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Worth More podcast. I'm your host, Cami Bleese, and so excited for you to hear today's episode with Courtney, who is a functional nutritional practitioner. And the thing that I love about our conversation is even though she works a lot with women around their diet and around their food, a lot of it actually has to do with sort of changing your hormones and changing your gut biome levels and all of those things that so many people struggle with and don't necessarily want to automatically fix with a medication or a doctor's visit. There's a lot that can be done to restore some of that health with food. And Courtney is somebody who is really passionate about helping women with their health in that way and so educated and so encouraging. She has a ton of information on her social media and website. She has programs to help people get involved. And this episode is just packed with insight and advice. So I cannot wait for you to check it out and hear what you think. So let's go ahead and jump right on in. Hello, Courtney. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Cammie. I've been looking forward to it so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Well, I would love if you could start off by kind of introducing yourself and basically kind of explaining your job. So I know that you have your bachelor in science and you are certified as a clinical nutritionist and functional diagnostic nutritionist. But if you'll just explain what that means to people and like the types of clients that you work with. Yes, I would love to explain that. So I use nutrition to help my clients heal from health conditions. So I give them the instruction that they need. And a lot of times I will use lab work Mm -hmm. and kind of coming from that perspective, looking at what's actually going on in the body, Mm -hmm. then making recommendations and helping them make changes based upon what is happening below the surface. Got it. I love that. I think that that's really important because I feel like a lot of us can kind of guess based on our symptoms, but it's like a lot of these tests, like the blood work and breath tests and stool samples and all these things, like they can answer so much more than like, oh, my tummy kind of hurts when I, when I eat this or when I'm experiencing stress or whatever. Like, I feel like that is a really important element to be able, being able to understand someone's like actual nutritional health in that way. Yes, I could not agree more. I feel like especially because there's just a lot out there when it comes to nutrition, it helps people not have to just cut everything out, but actually make the right changes to get where they want to be because that's what everyone's after. They just want to heal and they want to actually have a clear path. For sure. Well, each of us are so different that assuming that this, you know, it's this one size fit all model is just not real, which is why I think people working with someone like yourself who has that background, who has that expertise, who is aware of all of these outside things actually allows people to get the results that they want versus like, let me just download this like random thing that another thousand people are downloading, but who knows if that's actually like the right thing for me. Yes, exactly. That's a part of the reason why I talk a lot about on Instagram about how even when it comes to Whole30, while there can be some great concepts involved in that whole style of eating, it can actually keep people from having more of an individualized approach Mm because they might think that that's the answer, Mm -hmm. but they might walk away and think, well, nutrition's just not for me. It's not going to help me heal when they really just haven't had an expert lead them and guide them and help them understand what they actually need. So that's where, yeah. That's where you come in. No, I, that's so important. 
So I know kind of like what you're saying on social media. I know because I love following you. A lot of what you talk around is like women's hormones. And would you be like, can you dig into some of the common misconceptions as well as like what a balanced versus unbalanced hormone might look like in women? Because I think there's probably, this is sort of a newer topic to me, even personally is like, oh, my hormones might be unbalanced or like, I didn't realize that this was something that indicated that it was or wasn't. So what do you see as sort of misconceptions? And then how can people determine that loosely for themselves without, you know, having to start right with blood work, I guess? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to explain that. So a lot of times in women, I see really, really high stress, which leads to high stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And then they also typically have a low level of those anti-stress hormones. And so when it comes to stress hormones, that will typically involve like high estrogen levels, high cortisol, and then anti-stress hormones will be progesterone and active thyroid hormone. So a lot of women, they can be hypothyroid, they can have low progesterone. Um, and so that's probably like what 80% of my clients usually struggle with. And what I would say around 80% of women who are experiencing issues like chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. and um, like a lot of breakouts and just overall health issues, low energy, hair is not growing, all these different things. It's typically um, more of a state of more like metabolic dysfunction because their body is not properly supported. But in terms of balanced hormones, a lot of women, they have really high estrogen and it's like not moving out of the body. Um, And then they don't have the nutrients either to help them actually ovulate and have a progesterone that's being created. And not to mention, I mean, a lot of women are on the pill, which actually stops you from ovulating. And so if you're not ovulating, you won't have progesterone, which is important for reducing stress, helping in the future or in the here and now with fertility. Mm -hmm. Um, And then having enough of that will help you um, avoid autoimmunity and also cancer in the future. There's a lot of research that lets us see that it's very, very linked to those two things as well. Wow. That's crazy. I know that's the thing that's so hard sometimes is like, we're all told at one point or another, like, Oh, this is the new thing. This is the thing you should be doing. And we don't really realize the like long-term side effects of these things or, the long-term ramifications. And so I think like our generation of women right now and, you know, older and younger are starting to see maybe some of the results of that. And I think, you know, who knows how it is for each individual, but I definitely think that there's something to be said about like paying attention to the data and also looking at your own personal, like health and your own personal situation and saying like, am I experiencing this fatigue? Do I feel like some of these things have been kind of off? Have I been on birth control for the last 20 something years? Like these are questions that are important for us as women to be asking ourselves. And I think probably a lot of people don't because they're just like, oh, this is just like what I've always done. And I just assume this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's really hard because I think that we all have for the most part, a trust towards medicine in general. And if anything's wrong, we just say, well, I'll just go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And there can be incredible doctors out there. Like there absolutely are amazing people who are really just in Western medicine, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be the best approach for everyone, specifically because 
of what's typically recommended. If you go to the doctor and you're anxious, they're not going to ask about like the 100 things that you should really address before having an anti-anxiety medication. There's a time and a place for that. Mm -hmm. But while that can help, it can also harm more so in the long run because you're not addressing all of these other things. And anytime anything's wrong in the body, our body is speaking to us. And so if we just ignore and ignore and ignore and just kind of like crank, you know, not really crank down the volume, but kind of like turn off the smoke alarms. You need to know that this is happening and like it's not happening because your body is punishing you. What I always love to say is like, your body loves you and it's trying to protect you and it really has your best interest in mind. And a lot of people have like, honestly lost trust with their bodies. And that makes me really, really sad, especially women. And that's honestly for a number of reasons, Mm -hmm. but specifically when it comes to our health, like I hate when I hear people make comments like, Oh, my body hates me. Or like, Oh, like it's never going to work out. I'm just thinking, please, please, please don't say that. Cause like your body really, really does love you. And it's here to help you live your life and accomplish all that you need to accomplish and honestly be happy and live a great life. And so if anything's ever wrong, it's just because it needs your attention. And there's always a reason why anything's happening in the body. So asking why and how is always key for me. I feel like I just want to like stand up and clap. Like I'm like, (laughs) I mean, that is so the truth of it. And I think that that's something that I find with clients and that I'm sure you find a lot with clients is that as we step away from what our culture has essentially told us health looks like and happiness looks like and all of these things. And we start to ask ourselves, like, is this actually working for me? Is this actually what makes the most sense for me? For a lot of us, we kind of realize like, no, it doesn't. Like the Mm. amount of time that I spent trying to be a certain size and what it did to me mentally and physically and metabolically and all of this stuff, I wasn't willing to ask any of those questions because I was like, well, I'm just trying to be healthy. I'm putting that in quotes, but really I was just trying to be thin. And I think that it's, we're told so often, like you can't trust yourself. You could not, you can't, you're not allowed to have you know, whatever cake in your house, because God forbid Mm. you won't be able to control yourself. And it's like, if you actually just like listen to your body, the likelihood that you want cake every single day is very low. And like allowing your body to say like, sometimes I want this and sometimes I want that. And like tuning in and so many people, I'm sure you get this, like, feel like they're like, well, I don't know how to listen to it. And it's like, yeah, it's because Mm. turned off the smoke alarm or like you've stopped listening for so long she's still there she's still telling you like what she needs and what she wants it's just not looking for outside I guess like not guidance because I think having guidance is really helpful but deferring to like what worked for someone else and then like copy and pasting and assuming it's going to be the exact same for you so I think that like we align very much on that. I feel really passionate about women figuring that out for themselves and like deciding for themselves and tuning back in with themselves. I think we really lost that a lot over time. And I feel like that is so important when it comes to our health is knowing ourselves well enough to know when something's right and when something's wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, um, when you mentioned like maybe we've lost that, what I almost think is like maybe, 
none of us have ever really had it because Mm. we haven't had it modeled for us. Mm. So maybe our moms never had like a great relationship with health or with food. And maybe when we were all growing up for the most part, a lot of us who were like in our twenties or like almost in our thirties, um, think about what was on TV and think about what was happening with celebrities and everything and on magazine covers. And like, yeah, oh gosh, I remember like being in the grocery store and it was like a scandal if anyone went from a zero to like a four or a six. (laughs) It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. And it's like, you are, oh my gosh, just even, even all the changes that happened from high school to early college Mm -hmm. to when you're 25, for example, Mm -hmm. like I've had to let clients know, um, Hey, like you're a full grown woman and like, it's okay to have hips. It's okay to have a booty. It's okay to go pant size because like your body is meant to create life and to, you know, nourish a life for nine months and to have a healthy birth. And then if you want to, you know, whether you're wanting to or not, it is meant to also nurse a baby. So it's like having having enough on your body, having enough nutrients, having enough nourishment in general. It's just really important. And it's crazy because as women, we are the ones who create life and we give birth. And so it's just crazy to me because there's almost been this attitude of like, are you really going to eat that much? Or like, oh, you eat a lot for a woman. Mm. And it's like, last time I checked, like women are the ones having babies. And like, I'm not trying to be hateful or anything. It's just like, I think that there's been just a lot of like negativity and a lot of criticism towards women in general. Um, Yeah. I think to your point, it hasn't really truly been about women's health. It's been about figuring out how people can make money and people can make money if Mm. you basically are trying to sell you this like happiness, which comes in the form of a size. It comes in the form of a certain weight. It comes in like the whole diet industry would fall apart if they were like, no, no, you don't have to like worry about counting your calories or being a certain size to be happy. Like you're allowed to like have hips. You're allowed to like go up a pant size because maybe you needed to put on weight. Like that doesn't benefit those industries. And without sounding like overly conspiratorial, I do really feel like that is a major player in regards to the narrative in which we're being fed. And so I totally agree that I think that our health as women has taken somewhat of a backseat and we don't even realize what we're doing to ourselves. And I think that's something that you talk a lot too. And you mentioned earlier is like having like a healthy metabolism or a healthy like metabolic rate. And I know that for a lot of people, they don't even realize how much that that's linked to like your hormone health or just like your overall health. So I would love to know like how maybe people can figure out if they are having like a healthy, active metabolic rate versus maybe some of the ways, like some of the signs that they might not be. And then I know like there's some simple things that you can do to start. Obviously, like it's a lot bigger process, but do you have any tips for people if they do have some of those like lower metabolic signs? Yes, that's a great question. So you can ask yourself a few questions. Um, You can ask, am I sleeping well? Am I having a period? And if I am, am I ovulating? And this would, of course, only apply if you're not on the pill, which, of course, will, 
you know, like it's not like a real period, but are you having really bad cramps? Cause that's actually like one, one common thing that's pretty common, but you know, it's not normal. It's not ideal. It means you have a lot of inflammation, a lot of prostaglandins, and that is an indication of an unsupported metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, are you really stressed all the time? Are you able to go to the bathroom? Are you having headaches? Um, are you having anxiety? And of course, anxiety can be linked to trauma, but it also can be linked to your metabolism. So I don't want to discount that on that end. And I'll probably mention that stuff in a minute because our mental health and our history and our past will really play a huge role in our overall health. Mm-hmm. And always addressing that is going to be important. But um, yes. Are you going to the restroom? That's a huge one. A lot of women struggle with that. Um, Are you bloated? Are you having a lot of allergies to food? Are you having histamine responses? Um, Gosh, there's a lot of stuff. Um, Even like hair growth, nail growth, skin health. Um, Yeah, overall energy, which can, of course, indicate an issue with the thyroid and the adrenal glands because there's a huge connection there. But all of these things um, have been very normalized. And a lot of women, too, and just a lot of people in general, when they get a headache, they have some Advil. If they have acne, they'll use a topical or like have a prescription like spironolactone or they'll start taking the pill or they'll just use things that are topical when really that's always for the most part linked to a slow metabolism. Mm -hmm. Um, because basically if you're like not able to go to the bathroom enough, like that is going to lead to acne. And so that happens to a lot of people, especially if you have high estrogen, a lot of issues with your gut. Wow. I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. Huge cause. (laughs) And that's the thing. And that's why I was like so excited to have this conversation because I've talked about this before, like I have a lot of gut health issues, which I've had pretty much my whole life. And as I've been trying to figure this out, one of the things that started popping up was like, what's your metabolic rate? What's your basal, you know, temperature when you wake up? What are all these like certain things that I'm just like, I didn't even realize that this stuff could be linked together. And I think to your point, like you were saying earlier, a lot of people you know, in our culture, we use Western medicine. And so we are very um, quick to treat the symptom versus the cause. And I think that for a lot of people, we're just like trying to treat symptom after symptom after symptom without asking like, okay, if I take a step back, like maybe all of these are linked and maybe there's like a deeper root cause. And that's been really eye-opening to me to realize that just on my own personal journey too. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like a lot of women have major issues with their guts and a lot of it can even, um, link back to like what was happening when they were born, you know, um, maybe they kind of missed out on having everything that they needed in their microbiome from their mother. And a lot of times it happens in a hospital birth if they're not like a vaginal birth, basically, because they're not going to get all of, you know, the amazing probiotics that will come from their mom. Mm. You completely bypass that if you're like, not like, yeah, if you're like not born in that way, basically. Um, And then also even like as a baby, um, waiting a little while to have a bath is helpful. You know, with a newborn, you're really not supposed to bathe them after they're born. But what did they do? They put like, yeah, 
they like immediately just like wash a baby when really like you're meant to have that on for like a few days. And so like wow. even that will impact your gut for the rest of your life. Um, and it's totally possible to heal. Yeah, It's just a lot harder to heal than it is to, I guess, just like avoid everything that would lead to having those issues in the first place. Sure. Um, and so that and like a lot of antibiotics in childhood, of course, there's a time and a place for antibiotics and they can literally save lives. But when you just come in like every month with a little cold, like yeah. why is it not here prescribing antibiotics? It can be helpful, but it can also be way too much where actually in the future, if anything really crazy happens, like if you have a staph infection and you might really need those antibiotics, it might not be, you know, the best response from your body because it's been really used to all the antibiotics and now it has like antibiotic resistance basically. Mm. So yeah, there is a lot that happens in the microbiome and it's not always handled in the best way yeah. basically from a Western standpoint. I feel like in two different ways, it's like one, I don't know how much people realize that all of these things are affecting us on that like microbiome level. And like, I think also so much of these things that happen can happen to us well before we're even able to make decisions for ourselves or educated and able to make choices that are different. And I think that's something that like, you know, there's some statistic that it's like, you're basically a lot of you from like a personality and from a whatever standpoint is formed by the time you're like seven. So any yeah. stuff that you're dealing with at like 30, 40, 50, whatever is like stuff that potentially happened to you at four and you just never processed through it and you just never got through it. And it's crazy the impact of some of those things that they can have when we're babies or when we're one or two and how it can affect us so much further. And if we don't actually look at our lives and those things as a whole picture, then we're not truly like we've been talking about getting to the root of the issue. We're just trying to fix all the symptoms. And it's like, it's just so much bigger than that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So if someone feels like they might be like, oh, wow, a lot of those things sound like me. Are there some like simple things that people can start doing like tomorrow or this week that would maybe make a little bit of a difference for them besides also going and working with someone like yourself? <laughs> yeah. So a few things you can do is have enough sleep. So if you're able to hop in bed by like 9.30 and hopefully like try to get to sleep around 10, that's a really good goal to have. Um, and then eating within the first half hour of waking up, eating protein with carbs, having enough protein, that's a huge thing a lot of people kind of skip over. But for most people, at least 100 grams a day is going to be best. Um, and if you have carbs... Um, trying to have them with at least half the amount of protein is going to be key as well. Okay. Having coffee after breakfast. Um, a lot of people might also want to track their calories just to see if they're having enough to even maintain basically. So for most people, this looks like a minimum of 1800, but a lot of people really need to be closer to 2000, but this might be too much to start with. So if this is you, working with a practitioner is probably going to be the best idea, especially if you struggle with insulin resistance or if you're worried about any possible 
weight gain or if you currently are already struggling with that and just need a little extra support because it can be really hard if you're currently eating 1200 to go from that to 2000 but what I always like to say is when you're restricting calories you're also restricting nutrients so it is important to be aware of that so those are my starter tips yeah I think those are so good I know one you know and I think that all of us like can listen and be like, oh, wow, I definitely am the kind of person who like wakes up and has coffee first thing versus like food. And I'm somebody who like as a pescatarian who eats no meat and occasionally fish, getting 100 grams of protein is very challenging or can be very challenging, especially consistently. But you hear those things and you're like, well, no wonder, maybe there's something going on that's linked to some of these little shifts. And how much better could I feel if I just tried to make some of those things happen versus it having to be this whole big overhaul. So when it comes to food, I know one of the things that I love that you do is like you talk a lot about different food swaps. So I would love to know if you have kind of some favorite swaps or some things that would help people determine like, oh, maybe instead of eating this, I can eat that. And ultimately, like, we know that I feel like all foods shouldn't, you know, we can't be going around fearing foods and stressed about foods or whatever, but sometimes for certain people, especially who need like help with their metabolism or help with their overall health and all these things, like these types of things are really important and can be super beneficial. So I would love to know what some of your favorites are or like your go-tos. Yes. Love that question. So I try to not buy a lot of stuff in a package, not not completely on purpose, but more so because if you're trying to eat in a really nourishing way, there's really not a ton of stuff that will be in a package that's going to be the best option. And usually it's also more expensive for anything that's in a package. And I would rather allocate that for like high quality protein or just, you know, anything that will be more worth it to me. Mm -hmm. So in terms of swaps, I know a lot of people love chips. And so instead of having just like a classic bag of chips that have like really inflammatory oils in there, what you might want to look out for um, would be ones that are made with avocado oil. And so that's a great starting place. You know, I feel like a lot of people are really hesitant to hop on board with like a nourishing, healthy lifestyle because they think that they will miss out on having fun or miss out on enjoying food. And what I tell people if they're ever worried about that is like, I'm a foodie. I love food. Like I really, really do. Like I get excited about food and I really like eating. So my whole thing with my health journey is I, I had to make a decision when I was like struggling with my own health. Am I really going to do this? And if I am, it has to taste good. So what can I make this enjoyable. So yeah, at Whole Foods, or even if you have a Sprouts near you, um, or natural grocers, a lot of those places will have really great options for alternatives. So instead of having um, a lot of things like wheat noodles, if you are wanting to avoid having a lot of gluten, then having rice noodles or cassava, that can be a great swap. Or if you're wanting to still have snacky stuff like potato chips, um, looking for avocado oil potato chips. Um, And of course, if you're ever wanting anything that's kind of sweet too, there's nothing wrong unless you um, have an allergy with having like a little bit of high quality ice cream or anything like that, as long as it makes you feel good 
there's nothing in particular about that that will be harmful for your health, especially if you're having enough protein and a lot of other great stuff throughout the day. So there is room for that as well. It's not always about how can we always avoid any sugar, any dairy, any carbs. All of those things can actually play a huge role in helping you have a metabolism that is supported, but you can't just have those things alone. So even when it comes to swaps, I'm more so like talking about like these healthy swaps, like almond milk that might have all these things added that might be irritating to the gut. So having like a higher quality, or maybe you might not even need the almond milk and maybe you can try just a higher quality option with the dairy. Um, I know that you're in California, so you can actually have raw dairy there. So that can be a lot better for a lot of people. I know that might sound crazy. Um, and it's not, it's not a match for everyone, but a lot of people respond really well to that versus really low quality pasteurized conventional dairy. It's pricey, but it can be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think to your point, sometimes we're swapping things out that we like really don't need to. And I feel like a lot of that can be tied to sort of our current like diet culture climate where like we have all of these rules around food and we have these foods that we like glorify and it's like, they can do no wrong. And then we have foods that people feel like, oh my gosh, if I ate that again, like I'm a failure. And so I feel like, do you have any tips, especially again, as we're like trying to nourish ourselves, like what do you feel like are the top foods that people should stop fearing and maybe the top foods that people should stop glorifying? I love that question so much. <laughs> and I hope that anyone who is listening is Listen with an open mind, because I know this might sound crazy, but I really, really like only making a choice if it's actually lining up with research or with what actually is true. And so that's part of the reason why it can be a little confusing when people come to my page, because they're like, well, I thought that everyone was supposed to eat things made out of like cauliflower instead of like whole grains or something. Like, aren't those bad? And it's like, what do you even mean by bad? Even with like, Yep. Yeah, even with things that are like anti-inflammatory, I get questions like, is this anti-inflammatory? Is it inflammatory? I'm like, well, what's inflammation? It's your body's response to injury. So like, is this causing harm for you? What might cause harm for you might not cause harm for me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And maybe having like an argument with your spouse or something could be more harmful for your body than eating like a piece of pizza or something, you know? It's just like, yeah. we also have to remember those things and like realize that while we can, you know, make it a priority to eat healthier, we might not always be taking the most logical steps. So basically now I'll answer your question. <laughs> I kind of went off on a little tangent there. I told you that in the beginning that I can kind of ramble. So I'm trying, I'm trying to reel it in. But I think that a lot of people now, especially they have huge fear of meat and animal protein in general. And I think that's because there's been an imbalance of high quality protein and not understanding that, you know, there is a place where it can be harmful to have, you know, like a steak every night. But also yeah. there hasn't ever been research that's really told us that if you eat high quality animal protein and you're exercising and you're having veggies and you're sleeping, that that will cause the harm that is coming from, you know, eating like McDonald's every day, literally. 
that will hurt your heart. <laughs> of course it will. But also you're not exercising. You might be smoking. All these different factors play a role too. So we have to remember that. So animal protein, milk, and probably fruit. Yeah, definitely fruit is like very, very feared by a lot of people. They're like, oh, that has too much sugar in it. And it's like, well, look at all the nutrients that are in here. And also our bodies need glucose and our livers need glucose and our thyroid and our brain. And, you know, pretty much every part of our body needs glucose. Every cell needs it. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm craving sugar. Like, this is so bad. I just need to like cleanse it out or something or just like not have it and then it'll go away and it's like well your body needs glucose so one of my favorite snacks actually is a little bit of animal protein with some fruit and that will make you feel amazing if i'm ever a little bit like low with energy in the middle of the day it's usually because i've waited a little too long to have a snack i'll have a snack i'll have animal protein and some fruit and i'll feel really really good and that's because you know, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, yeah, you need it. So (laughs) (laughs) no, that's, I feel like that's really helpful. And I feel like there's, you know, everybody has their own like rules in their head around food and their own reasons for not eating things or their own reasons for whatever. And some of it to your point is based in reality and, you know, um, like intolerances or ethical issues. But then some people it's just like, Oh, I was told that this was bad for me or like I shouldn't be eating it. And so now I don't anymore. And it's like, no, like it's important to step back and really check in with yourself. Like, like you said, I love, like there's this whole, you know, everybody knows that everybody talks about like an anti-inflammatory diet, but to your point, foods that might inflame, I will put in quotes, inflame you like might not inflame me. So again, why are we all going on what's perceived as an anti-inflammatory diet when like we're each created so differently that you can't just say that all these foods always inflame everyone yeah so I know that food is so complicated and there's like so much and especially as like a nutritionist who works with people around food constantly I'm sure that you see people who have a lot of like food hang-ups and like kind of a weird relationship with food and I know that maybe as somebody who's listening or a client is wanting to make those healthier decisions, but there can be that struggle to not fear certain foods or feel overly restricted. So how do you recommend that people like make some of these shifts while also creating kind of like peace with that food as well or Mm. other foods? Yeah. I love that question. So I always ask, first of all, if anyone is coming from a place of recovering from an eating disorder, and if anyone is currently really struggling, I let them know, hey, I want you to have like mental health care for that first. And then I think it's a good idea to work together because that really does come first because if you can't heal, you can't make progress and improve upon what you want to improve upon because it's really it is about the food but it's really not about the food it's just it's just an outlet for expressing whatever unhealed places of your heart honestly need to be healed and so a lot of times it can be food and I think a lot of that really has to do with all of the messages that we've all you know been exposed to and whatever reason it just kind of starts to take root and so 
that's where I love for there to be more of a healing approach. And then we can work with each other once they're able to make any needed changes, because I think that mindset is going to be really important and understanding that like you are working with me to heal your body. Um, but you need to make that choice from a place of love and trust and you need to trust your body. And so if you're not in a place where you can trust your body, it might be really hard to make the changes and to actually enjoy the process. And in terms of making changes, it's not like this has to go, that has to go, that has to go. If anything goes, it's because it's actually really causing harm. Um, and if anything is restrictive, it's just restrictive for a little while just to help you have more freedom in the long run. So if I ever make any changes with the way anyone's eating, I always let them know, hey, so we're going to have this out for a little while, but then I want you to really be aware of like what's happening with like X, Y, or Z, whether it's acne, IBS, whatever. Um, and then we introduce it again and they have a way better response to it in the long run. But I will say that might be a little hard to even make that change if they're currently not in a place of understanding how to resolve those emotional struggles that they might have around food. So that comes first. Like I said in the beginning, you know, having help, um, maybe that is having like a counselor, EMDR, huge fan of that. Um, yeah. And then you'll be in a place to have an awesome healing experience with food. Um, so yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah. I think that that's a really important way to look at it. And that's something even I've been trying to work on because I feel like you know, I spent so much of my young adulthood, like dieting and keeping foods out and restricting foods and then essentially binging foods and like never to what would be clinically termed as like an eating disorder, but I was very disordered in my behavior. And it's interesting as I've looked into some of these like hormone healing or metabolism healing types of processes where I've had to have these conversations of like, I might have to remove foods for the betterment of like my long-term health. And that doesn't mean for forever, but it could mean for forever. It doesn't, but a lot of it might be temporary. And then if we re-add them, you feel better. And it's been a super interesting balance for me to even realize that for myself, because I'm like, wow, as someone who fights so hard for people to have food freedom, there's something going on with my body that might not necessarily align with that, at least in the way in which I'm currently living. And that's okay. That doesn't mean yeah. that like, have to go on this super restrictive diet like I used to but at least if I'm approaching these changes it comes from a place of like I'm truly trying to love my body better and feel better rather than it being like I just want to be smaller which is where a lot of that used to come from yeah so I think that that's been a shift that I personally have really had to work on making that's taken me some time yeah. to like actually be like oh I can remove foods and it not be about weight loss but I am a lot, you know, like it's just a weird mental exercise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is on a journey and um, I think it can be kind of a standard that people have in their minds for anyone who has an Instagram account where they're more of like 
a person, I guess, who like has a blog or like a podcast or something. And so they are speaking to a lot of people, encouraging others, having like valuable content that they, you know, have on their feed. I think it's really easy for people to be like, oh, well, they have like a really good relationship with food or like they used to have health issues and now they've healed. And like, I'm over here with all of this oh, just I'm having issues and like, I don't know if I can ever be where they are. And like, I literally let people know like, hey, so just understand that even the people who are talking about their healing, they still struggle from time to time in their health. No one, yeah, like no one will ever arrive. And that's not the point of this because if we're always looking towards that, well, good luck. You're never going to reach it. Like, Like it's never going to be like this perfect health experience, but it can be so much better, like so much better. And like, I used to have chronic migraines. And so I will tell people, Hey, I used to have chronic migraines. I had them every day. I might get a migraine three or four times a year now. And it is like a 10th of the pain of what it used to be. So I'm not mad that I still can technically have migraines and I'll for sure have one in the future. But like, I welcome that because it is a million times better than what it used to be. Um, and I don't view that as like, oh, well, like I'm a practitioner and I still like I still can't 100 percent heal myself. Like that's that's not the point. And also like yeah. that's a neurological thing as well. And my mom has chronic migraines and had them in the past, too. Mm-hmm. So like it's also like understand like you, you can heal to an extreme degree but that doesn't mean like you'll ever arrive or it'll ever be perfect. So yeah, I always, I always love to emphasize that. I feel like it's very important. No, it is like, we're all always on this journey. And like, even though like, Oh, I've made a better relationship with my body, but now because I've had a really better relationship now, I want to take care of it better. So now I'm having to look at it differently. And I do think that like, to your point, yes, like there are, there are milestones that we can all reach within our health Mm. mentally and physically. But if you truly are taking care of yourself and you're always moving forward, like you're always thing. It's not just like, cool, I'm done. I'm healthy as a clam. And like, there's nothing else to do for me here. So I definitely do feel like it is important to remind ourselves that like you will achieve success, but as you continue to grow as a person and in your health, that will always continue to grow too. Yeah, so I would love to know what are some surprising factors that might lead to an imbalance of women's health that people might not actually know about or realize? Because I think like we've been talking about, there's so many things that you don't really know are contributing. So what might be some of those things for people to like look into? Yes, so... Number one would actually be unresolved trauma, which doesn't have too much to do with nutrition, Mm -hmm. but almost everyone that has had trauma will have health struggles. Um, And so a lot of times this can be a lot of issues with the gut, migraines, um, or just overall issues with autoimmunity. So all of these things are going to be very reflective of, you know, maybe that was a root cause. Not always, of course, like 
there can always be another reason why you're having whatever struggle. It's not always trauma, but I think it's probably the most overlooked is what I would say. Okay. Um, and it actually might be like one of the most common because you also aren't as inclined to know how to really like nurture like yourself if you might not have been nurtured in the best way. And so it's not only that, it's also like how will it influence you and how you take care of your body? So that's what I see usually. Um, And so I would say that. And then the birth control pill is a very, very, very close second. Very close. It stops ovulation. And so I understand like not wanting to have a baby and we need options for, you know, what do we need to do in order to not have a pregnancy if you're not ready for that. But it's not great for women's health. So while it can be helpful for preventing pregnancy, not the great option or what I just say, <laughs> not the best option for women's health. Um, even with the IUD, not great. Okay. And um, yeah, really any kind of intervention that stops ovulation that is really going to take a toll and possibly have an influence in the future with wanting to get pregnant just because in order to ovulate you have to have progesterone and so you create that when you ovulate basically but it might be hard for the body to start that process if it's been repressed for years and years so yeah, a lot, a lot of women are struggling with that more and more. And it really breaks my heart. But being aware of like, what risks come with that, I think is women deserve. And so there's not really a conversation happening about that. It's like, well, like, when you want to get pregnant, we'll talk about it, you'll get off of it. You can just come back then. Um, So those two things, calorie restriction, because when you restrict calories, you restrict nutrients, mold exposure, um, undernourishment. I kind of already mentioned that with the calorie restriction. And then minerals. Minerals are a huge thing because minerals run enzymes, which run hormones. So it's kind of like minerals, enzymes, hormones. And so I know we haven't even like hopped into that because that's really deep, but a lot of people need to realize that while you have hormones, well, what's underneath that are the enzymes and then underneath that minerals. That's the foundation. Okay. So. Ooh, there's so much. And I feel like it's like you're like leaving people little like nuggets and then it's like, obviously there's so much more to it. And it's like, then you can work with me or go check out my Instagram. I feel like there's so much goodness on there, but I know that like kind of what we're talking about, even with the birth control or like some of other these these other things. I think there's a lot of false information flying around, especially on social media. And especially if you're talking about food, navigating diet culture and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. as someone who is trying to help women with their health, trying to share this type of information, how do you navigate that pressure on social media or even with your clients who are maybe coming to you with these things that they believe because it was said on Instagram by somebody? Yes. Oh, that's a good question. So honestly, I kind of, I kind of keep my head down and I, (laughs) I feel like I, I'm spending a lot of time either researching all the things I'm interested in from like very reliable places or I'm helping clients. And so I don't have a ton of time to look into all of 
the new craziness, although I have heard of intuitive fasting and I'm a little concerned, a little, little, little concerned. Um, But um, yeah, I, I feel like my people, I guess always, the only reason that they're on my page still is because they're open enough and they're not triggered enough. And so I feel like it's a very clear call towards like, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. And I mean, like, I'm here to be, you know, a place for everyone, but I am not for everyone. And so I think that's pretty clear when you're on my page, even hearing about like animal protein and like, I'm not a fan of the pill, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'll just be honest about it. And if anyone is like, I don't really like that approach. That's totally fine. You are a hundred percent welcome to have your approach and be completely comfortable in that. Cause that might be best for another person. So, um, I don't really get mad if anyone is like, have almond milk or like <laughs> no animal protein or like have cauliflower rice every day. I'm like, Hey, I understand where they're coming from because most people are speaking in this way. So I get it. Like, I'm not bothered by it. Um, I think that a lot of people are really starting to come around and realize, like, we need to look at the metabolism and that needs to be supported. And so women need nutrients. They need calories. They need rest. And so it's like, isn't this where we all really should have started to begin with? But yeah. It just takes all of us feeling like miserable to be like, well, I feel like the way I've been living my life for the last 20 years hasn't been working. And it's like, that's, it took you that long and feeling like crap or whatever to be like, maybe all of this that I've been doing isn't working. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And we're all, we're all pretty much the same in that way. Like our bodies kind of have to scream at a certain point for us to be like, oh, hey, like, are you trying to tell me something? Because I was like starting to lose my hair a few months ago in the shower. Then I realized like my nails weren't growing. Then I realized like I, you know, whatever else anyone is experiencing. Yeah. Maybe that's linked to your metabolism. Maybe yeah. you need nerves. Maybe you need more sleep. Maybe you need, you know, to have a little bit of rest and fun in your life. I think that a lot of people are missing that as well, especially in our culture where it's like work, work, work and achieve more and more. And maybe one day when you're retired, you can have fun (laughs) because like, then you'll be allowed to. And I'm like, that's like a long ways away. Like, what is the point if we're like not even enjoying the here and now? And I've had to ask myself those honest questions. Like, why am I waiting to be happy? Like, I've actually been really asking myself that recently. And I've been a lot happier as I've been realizing like, here and now is honestly what matters. Like, because if I'm not happy now, I'll never be happy in the future. So it is, it's one of those things where I think we like a lot of people can get trapped in this idea of like, I'll be happy when I'll be happy if, and Mm. you know, like I did that for a lot of my life in regards to my weight. I think a lot of us do that in regards to maybe our finances or our success or being able to have kids or married, you know, like we have all these beliefs that like this thing will then make me happy. And the reality is, is like, that's just not true. It might make certain life certain aspects more fun or more easy, but like 
true joy and contentment and happiness comes like from within each of us choosing to pursue that within that moment. And I feel like a lot of the times, like the simplest way that any of us can do that is to just like express gratitude for the season that we're in and to find something to be appreciative of, because I feel like otherwise you just get trapped on this like long rat race that never really makes you feel any better. Truly. I, I could not agree more. And like, I think a lot of people, they think that what will make them happy is like having just like a ton of money or like a lot of followers. And it's like, that can, you know, maybe that would be nice in your life. And I understand that, but also like, it's not going to bring true joy necessarily because like spending time in nature if you have a dog like hanging out with your dog like my dog makes me happier than a lot of accomplishments in life honestly and that might sound crazy but it's like wow like (laughs) this is a lesson right here for sure it's like wow some of these simple things are just so underrated and I think that that is really important to remind ourselves so yeah kind of like you know, jamming on just like what like joy means ultimately. I would love for you to just like share maybe just some of like, I know you've shared so many tips and have given everyone so much value already, but like what are some simple steps that maybe someone could take to be making a healthier lifestyle? Do you have any favorite book recommendations? Part of that request is just because like I'm super curious, but (laughs) yeah, like somebody's wanting to get started. What are some simple things that they can do that you have found to be successful with your clients? Yes. Well, I have a ton of starting points on Instagram as well, like a ton of posts. If you just like scroll through, just hit whatever looks interesting to you and you'll find a ton of value. Like even in the captions, read the captions, I promise. They are like value packed. But but in terms of getting started, like especially now that it's springtime and in a lot of places, like it's nice outside. So spend time outside, breathe in the fresh air. Um sleep. I think a lot of people, they, they don't really notice, but they're maybe not sleeping enough because they like have anxiety at night or they're like, well, like I worked all day. So like now I just want to stay up. And it's like, well, if that's what happened, like add in like a little bit of time in the day where you can have fun, then like sleep early because that's going to be great for you. And so that eating enough, listening to your body, like if you're ever hungry, like eat when you're hungry stop when you're full. And if you are eating and you are full and you want to keep on eating, that might be a good choice too. Like listen to your body and what it wants to do. And if you're having a hard time with that, what you can do is start to cut out the noise. Like less time on your phone, less time listening to other people and other noise. Like I think a lot of times we aren't really aware of what we want or like what we need to do because we aren't having a relationship with ourselves but that is so valuable like yeah you need to get rid of the noise and like maybe later on having that in again could be helpful but like I realized at one point in my life I was listening to a lot of podcasts and listening to just a lot of noise not taking enough time to I guess have my own view and have my own peace it was very much like I had to hear others all the time. Um, and so, yeah, that, and then 
when it comes to food, what you can do is every time you make a plate, make sure that you have enough protein, enough carbs, and you may or may not need to add any fat. So um, one thing I like to say for a lot of people who are like maybe eating like low carb, a good starting place could be eating like a one-to-one -one ratio of carbs and protein. And so that might be a little low in carbohydrates for like a lot of people. Like I know they eat you mentioned you are a pescatarian, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's probably like a little high in protein and a little low in carbs. But if there is a person who's like eating like a keto diet and they're like, okay, like I need to eat carbs now. Like, what do I do? Okay. You don't want to just eat like a whole watermelon. <laughs> um, so having like a one-to-one -one ratio, like 25 grams of carbs, 25 grams of protein, eat a snack like that, observe your body. How do you feel? Is it good? Are you like, I feel like I need more carbs or like, I feel like happy with that amount. Maybe I'll stay there for a little while, then try to increase over time. That might be a good option too. So I'll have a lot of clients start there if they have insulin resistance um, or if they're currently eating like little to no carbs, which happens often. I'm not going to have them like run before they walk basically. And so if you are not eating a lot of protein, aim to have at least half of the amount in protein as what you're having in carbs. And so if you're having like a hundred grams of carbs, try to have, uh, <laughs> I see your face, try to have 50 grams of protein. <laughs> try, try, try. And what you can do is kind of add it up over the course of the day. So in your coffee, add some collagen. I don't know if you enjoy yogurt, but have some yogurt. Adding egg whites in, if you're making pancakes, that can be a great idea too. So, oh gosh, I love protein I love <laughs> and it helps, it helps so much with hormones too. Cause with your liver, like if, if you, if you're lacking amino acids, your liver won't work properly. And that is so responsible for everything from honestly all your hormones, but then also your skin if you're able to go to the bathroom, if you're even in, you know, like actually, um, and this is like a little piece from Chinese medicine, but like with your liver, if you're having issues there, it can actually like impact your emotions too. So enough protein might sound crazy, but it can help you in all of these crazy, crazy ways. Yeah. So no. And as like a trainer, I also like know how important protein is. I think as someone who just like isn't drawn to a lot of animal products and yeah. is not someone who I don't count macros or calories or anything. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, I bet if I were to track it, I would be very surprised at how little I'm getting or maybe not. I don't know. I'm curious, but it is, I feel like that is something that I talk with clients about and I think is a really helpful starting point for people. So I feel like, like I've said, you've given so much value and so much information for people. And I'm sure that there's people listening that are like, wow, like this is totally me, or this sounds like something I need help with. So how can someone work with you? What does that look like? Oh, thanks, Cami. Well, I have an Instagram. And so if you go on there, I don't know if you'll have it in your notes yeah. for your podcast, but notes for sure in the podcast under Apple. Absolutely. And I'm awesome. gonna, I'll have it in a blog post too. Oh, you're the best. Yeah. It's Hill Me Court Nutrition and it's with the K mm -hmm. for court and for kale. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 
It's Courtney with a K. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that at first. Um, But yeah, you can do that. And then I have a membership. And so what I recommend for like everyone, if they're wanting to work with me, just because I usually have a wait list is hopping on the membership first. I have like recipes, videos, blogs, and I have weekly Q&A coaching. And so that's a really awesome starting point. And then if you... If you're like, I love this, but I still feel like I need like your eyes on my health, mm-hmm. I have one-on-one options. Okay. And so it can either be like a one-time thing all the way up to, you know, a year if you need me that long. And usually that doesn't happen. Usually I'll work with clients for like two to three, maybe four months. Okay. That's usually like the max. Okay. Um, and that's usually if they're like, is a person who is like struggling with infertility or like has IBS or like has Hashimoto's or something. Usually if it's only like, well, I want to lose weight and I want to be healthy. A lot of times, like it'll be like better to just be like a part of the membership, if that makes sense, if you're really not needing that much help. So yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of people (laughs) right now who are on the list and I'm very, very grateful and I love helping my clients and stuff, but that's why I have the option with the membership is because, you know, it's like a lot, it's a lot for sure. And a lot of people I've realized who might not need like individualized help, Mm -hmm. a lot of the issues I noticed were kind of like repetitive, if that makes sense. So a lot of that is kind of, yeah, in the membership. So thanks for asking. No, no, that's, I think super helpful. And then that gives people an option, like for every budget and for every time frame, like they can work with you for free on Instagram. They could work with you for a price point with your membership or like one-on-one. And I think it's really great to have that option for people so that you're able to help a wide variety of people. I think that's absolutely amazing. And I so appreciate everything that you've shared today. I think that people are going to learn so much. I know I learned so much and I just appreciate you being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I've enjoyed it so much. Me too. Me too. Well, thanks, Court. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast interview. And if you are enjoying the podcast and loving these interviews, please go ahead and rate and review the Worth More podcast wherever you listen. I am always happy to hear y'all's thoughts, suggestions, feedback. So make sure you reach out to me on social media or through my website. I would love to hear you. And I hope you have an amazing day.